history of humankind is one that results in a fall. God creates man, then he creates woman. He places them in a garden and tells them you can eat from any tree, but don't eat of that one tree. There, there, there was a relationship with God. God would come looking for them in the morning. He loved them and they loved him. But there was a clear command in God, from God and, and, and he expected obedience. They did not obey and they followed their flesh and they brought sin into the world. They were carnal. They had two sons, Cain and Abel. There was a clear command from God to bring blood to their offering to him from an animal sacrifice. Abel did so, Cain did not. As God reached out to Cain and made it clear that although he loved him, he demanded obedience from Cain. Cain did not respond to God. Instead, he responded to flesh. He kills his brother in the next action, with his next action, and this resulted in Cain being separated from God in his presence forever. Cain was carnal. And today, I want to speak to you on this topic, the enemy of deep. The enemy of deep. All throughout Scripture, we read story after story of people, people who loved God, people who had a relationship with God. God told them things like, build an ark, get circumcised, leave your homeland, go to a place that I will show you, destroy pagan altars, be separate in dress, customs, and worship, build a tabernacle and then a temple, don't intermarry with unbelievers, give the tithe, teach your children who God is, take the gospel to wicked and lost people. And you just find all of these commands to the people of God through the Old and New Testaments. And as we read through the Bible, some of the people did exactly what God asked. Some failed and then repented. Some did it their own way instead of God's way, and some just completely disregarded what he spoke, and they walked it directly in the opposite direction. Some were spiritual. Many were carnal. Some were blessed. Others were judged. And they are recorded in Scripture. The blessings were dictated, directly correlated to obedience. When people obeyed, they were blessed. When people disobeyed, they were cursed. It was really that black and white as you read through Scripture. Blessings were dictated by obedience. Judgment never once pointed to the premise that God somehow did not love someone. So then they got judged because he didn't love them. As a matter of fact, discipline and correction from God is actually proof how much he loves us. Has anyone as a parent ever had a conversation with your child and said something along the lines of, I'm only doing this because I love you. And our kids will look at us and say, I celebrate that love, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I know I did. When my dad, I had a little paddle and said, never spank a child in the face. Nature provided a better place. Two little kids bent over a fence. And my dad would try to convince me as a young boy that I was going to get a spanking because he loved me. And uh, I was like, I'm not buying that. Later in life, of course, I do understand, and Scripture talks about this, but Hebrews 12, 6 and 11, it says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. 
As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? Well, that's getting more and more commonplace. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our, fa- our earthly fathers disciplines us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, because there's no perfect parent. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. There it is. And the church said, amen, right? It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. See, this is a, we're talking about spiritual things, but if you're a parent, this is a good parenting lesson for us today, right here. We're living in a time when the world does not want correction. Not from a parent, not from a teacher, not from an employer, not from a pastor, and not from God. You can tell me what to do. This is the mindset of humanity. The cultural message is live and let live to each their own. Be who you are, acceptance. But in scripture, we continuously see God. He sends prophets in against the cultural norm that was in that particular society. Whether it was Egypt, Canaan, Syria, Assyria, Judah, Israel, wherever he sent a prophet, he did not care and say, well, you know, I I understand in Assyria, that's kind of the norm. So I guess if you want to try and do it that way, it's all right. And then he sends somebody into Egypt and says, you know what? I understand things are tough in Egypt. There's a lot of people that kind of don't believe what you do. So it was not that. A prophet would come in and say, I don't care what's going on around us. This is how God called us to live. And then you go to the New Testament, and it did not matter what they were doing in Ephesus, Corinth, Philippi, Colossus, Rome, Galatia, Thessalonica. God sends Paul. He says, I don't care what the customs are of the world. Here is what God is calling us to do. And God would speak words to his people throughout both testaments, and at times he would commend them or compliment them. You're doing well. This is great. Keep this up. And other times he would correct them. He would punish them. He'd warn them. And it was because he loved them. He wanted them to be the people that he called them to be. Remember, God created us to be his people. As I just said moments ago, we exist The sole purpose that we exist is to bring worship, glory, and honor to his name. We exist for him, not for us. And we forget that sometimes, don't we? Because we have plans and desires and goals. And so I have wants, but I exist to bring him worship. We in our lives are either going to be carnal or spiritual. I'll say it plain today. The enemy of deep is carnality. If I said today, I think I would say almost every single one of us, even if this is the first time you've stepped foot in this sanctuary, and I said, how many of us want a deeper walk in relationship with God? I would imagine that the majority of us, even if we don't understand what that is, what it takes to get there, the majority of us would be like, I'm in for that. I really do feel like I want to I wanna have more power with God. I want to know my creator. I want that depth to my relationship with God. And we come here service in, 
service out and we say, you know what, hopefully there's a good sermon because if I come and I hear a sermon and come to an altar, I'll go deeper. And so I want to be deeper with God. But the thing is, is we would all say that, but with going deeper, there is a cost. There is a sacrifice in one that not everybody is willing to pay. You think about when it comes time to dig deeper. How many of you have ever planted a pretty decent-sized tree? I'm not talking about about a flowering bush. I'm talking about you planted a tree. Anybody? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay. We got about eh, maybe 10, 15 people that have done that. A tree, if you try to take the lazy way out and you get your shovel, and it's important to use the right shovel. I learned that a few times. But you dig it, and you're like, that should be good, and you... Grab that side. You plop it down, and half the root system sticking out. And you start to go, well, what if we put some dirt? Maybe, I mean, huh? you know, you start to try and cut corners. That thing ain't going to survive. They tell you to dig it like more of the depth. You want the root system at ground level. You want it doubled or, you know, a little bit wider than the whole root system. And, and so you have to work hard. And sometimes you're hitting roots and you're hitting other things that you got to break through. It's hard work to dig a hole. I got firsthand experience watching Edgar back there, did some work. And I'm watching him. It was like, what, 138 degrees that day that you worked by us? A poor guy's out there, but they're working hard and they're digging these trenches. And, 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 and I'm like, wow, that is hard work. Because digging trenches, digging a hole, digging, doing physical manual labor, it's tough. When you dig deep, there's work that comes along with that. What does it mean to be carnal? Carnality means anything related to the fleshly or worldly appetites or desires rather than to godly or spiritual desires. Basic human nature is carnal. Go ahead. Look at somebody next to you and go, guess what? I'm carnal. Go ahead. Go ahead. Look at someone and say, guess what? I'm carnal. And I know you're like, I'm not going to say it. I refuse to say it. That's not correct. You're carnal. Because sin entered this world. And the apostle Paul talks about this, Romans 7, 14. He says, the trouble is not with the law for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me for I am all too human. A slave to sin. Guess what? I love God. I serve God. I want to go deeper with God. And I would be there except for I live in this fallen flesh that wants things that are contrary to the word of God. People are going to either walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit. You're either spiritual or carnal. You know, we can't do what we try to do often, and that is, I want to be in leadership. I want to serve God. I want to feel God. I want to feel his presence. I have people leave apostolic Pentecostal churches. They say, oh, it's strict there. I don't want to do this, this. I just want to feel that liberty and flow of the spirit. What in the world do you think brings the liberty and flow of the spirit? It's the consecration and commitment that says a people saying, I will live a set apart and sanctified life unto you. 
People don't live this way all the time because they just want to. There are things that we want to do in our flesh, but we say, no, I am not going to choose to do that. I'm going to choose to say, I am not going to feed the flesh what it wants. I'm, I'm real with people at times, okay? I, when I was younger, man, I saw myself at one or two James Bond movies. I, I like the guns and the cars and all that. I don't not watch that because oh, I just don't find that entertaining. No, I say as a man of God, I'm not going to put that in front of my eyes, even though that would be an, an appealing to the flesh. I'd like to sit down and grab a bucket of popcorn and watch something, but the message is contrary to the Word of God. And so when I say I'm not going to live certain ways and do certain things and partake of certain things. It's not because I've just lost all enjoyment. Now I'm a pastor and now I eat, sleep, and, and take showers in my suit. No, it's because I decided I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to set some things aside and say I'm not going to live that way. Not because I don't want to, but because I want more of what God has for me. For some of you, you might see a lady that says, I'm going to go ahead and leave my hair uncut because I've seen scriptures that, that make me feel like this is a consecration. You can speak to that lady. I don't care if she's been raised in this. There are times she says, I put my hair up and it gives me headaches and I don't always look the way, I don't always like the way it looks. But you know what? I don't do it just because I don't want to do that. I do it because it's a consecration. It's something I choose to do in worship to him. And so people walk, we'll, we'll walk in flesh, we'll walk in spirit, and I'm just grabbing random things. You, you insert whatever thing you want to insert there. But people will either walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit, and walking after the flesh, it leads to the same thing that it did for Adam and Eve, and that's in their son Cain, it's, it's death. Romans 8, 13 and 14 says, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Just before that, Paul gives a solemn warning. Romans 8, 6 to 8. He says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. When I walk in the flesh, there are things that I'm willing to do and partake in because I rise up and I say, I can do anything I want. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'm my own person. I'm going to live. I, I, I have a desire. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to do it. And I will not subject myself or put myself of a lower place to God and his word because I am my own boss. And with that, I can never be what Christ is calling me to be because I'm not truly, he's not truly my Lord of my life. He's someone I love. He's someone I serve. He's someone I kind of walk with, but I have not completely subjected myself. There are things that, yes, I will do that. I will do that. I will not that. And that definitely ain't happening. And so there's areas of our lives that we're saying, you're welcome to come in here. Yeah, I'll give you the tour of the house. Here's the living room. Yep, this is the kitchen where we eat. If you want, did you want a cup of coffee? We'll go in here. This is, this is the family room. And we'll head upstairs. This is the master bath. Oh, is this your closet? Don't go in there. 
Because right before you came, I threw all my stuff in there and closed the door and don't want you to see it. And we do that spiritually. God, you're welcome to look at the living room, the kitchen. But if you want the whole tour, eh, nah. There's certain doors that remain closed off to you, Lord. He says, neither indeed can be, verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. This flesh is powerful. It's strong. And it constantly lets you know. Right now, think about what the flesh is letting you know right now. For many of us, the flesh is saying what? I'm getting hungry. The flesh is getting irritated at me for taking a while going, I wish he'd shut up. He's standing between me and my lunch. And the flesh will shout things, and they will shout them loudly. They will shout them, he or she's attractive. I'm hungry. I want this. I'm going to skip. I'm, I'm too tired to pray. And our flesh will, if we let it, our flesh will dictate every part of our lives. And we will find it's a lot easier to go do something else rather than to come to a prayer meeting. Because why? Oh, you know, the prayer meeting can be good, but then I have to go over there. And, and, and it's a lot easier for my flesh to go out and do this. And so when flesh rules and reigns in our mortal bodies instead of the spirit, then we walk after the flesh and we get only the benefits of what the flesh can bring. But I cannot please God if I walk in the flesh. I have to be filled with his spirit and then not just be filled, but to walk after that spirit. The carnal person's hostile toward God, unable to please God. Walking in the flesh will never please God. Remember, Paul was writing this to a church. It's not like he was just saying, yeah, you know, I got a megaphone. Society, listen up. Everybody gather around right now. Paul says, let me write. I'm writing to the church that's in the city of Corinth. Even church members can be carnal. I mean, not here probably, but I'm talking about other places. Look what he writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. That's a great opening. If I came up and opened that way, half of y'all would leave. He says, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. That's one way to put it. I had to feed you with milk. Not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you know what? Let me just add this. You still aren't ready. I don't think the Corinthian church was like, amen, brother, preach the word. They're probably sitting there like, the flesh was going, who does he think he is? He can tell me what to do. Look at his life. For you still are controlled by your sinful nature. So the reason for this rebuke is he connects it to, let me tell you why I'm saying this. You're walking after the flesh. You're jealous of one another, quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? The church was not what God wanted it to be because they were walking in the flesh rather than walking in the spirit. 
And to another church in Galatia, he says this, uh, Galatians 1, 6, and 7, he says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. The good news is the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And today, there are all kinds of churches in North America and the world that are pretending to be the good news. That, doesn't, that doesn't mean arrogant. I'm not, that's not pushing anybody down. But he says, we see scripture. He says, do you want to know the spirit of truth and error? Do they follow what the apostles taught? Scripture says this. So you look to the acts of the apostles and see what did they preach? What did they live? What did they talk? What, did, what were their methods? What was it? And you will see that they preached repentance. They preached water baptism in Jesus' name. They preached spirit infilling with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So when you go somewhere and they say, well, we just don't believe that, I go, whoo, uh, that, that concerns me. Because he said, hereby you know the spirit of truth and error. Did they follow what the apostles taught? So if the apostles taught this, where did you decide to change that? And so he says, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Paul was blown away that even though he was preaching many of the same things at every single church, even though he was warning the church about loving truth, living a holy and separated life, clinging to doctrinal integrity in the midst of all kinds of false teachings, they were still walking away. And so Paul comes in with a little bit of fire, a little bit of like, I am shocked. I can't believe this, guys. He's telling the church, this is nuts. This is crazy. Everywhere I go, I'm preaching the same message, yet some of you are going an easier route than the good news that I've been preaching. What is going on? They were walking in the flesh rather than the spirit. And God is going to, through his spirit, ask you to go places that doesn't make sense to anyone else around you. If every time God speaks to you, you have to go ahead and talk to the group and see if everyone's feeling the same thing in the family and friends, and you're not going to be what God wants you to be. There are times that he's going to speak to you. And maybe even the people in your own church say, well, I just don't think that, I don't think that's really necessary to wake up at that time. I don't think you have to pray that much. I don't, hey. Am I walking by what they go ahead and vote? It's not, it's not a democracy in your walk with God. God speaks, I follow it, and I go to where he wants me to be. And so God is calling us. Well, that's, a lot of people say that because they're carnal. Just, I think, it's like we're afraid to say that because, oh, that just sounds very judgmental. No, we know people by the fruits they bear. And so my, my works are either going to speak spiritual works or carnal works. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? You can't be telling me for sure that I'm carnal. Well, let's see. The last 17 prayer meetings I had, you didn't come to one of them. But yet you made it to all your kids' athletic events. So that tells me, like, there's a priority there that says, I prioritize this. This one here isn't as quite as important. And so for me, we're walking in the flesh. And I hope you, it's tense in here. I hope you know, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm just letting you know that we can look at this and go, hey, there's a way my works, my actions are going to speak what's, what's important. And so he says in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 13 to 15, he says, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak 
words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God. I never want to be a point in my life where I cannot receive spiritual truth from God. I mean, don't we all want that? He says, it all sounds foolish to them. They can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. That does not mean that you're above reproach and can't be touched. That's not what he's talking about there. But after working in youth for several years, pastoring here for more than 13 years, I can say there's at least one way I'm like Paul. Not many, but there's one. And that is, I'm often shocked that after preaching about certain things so many times, that there are people who are so soon removed. I mean, I can get up and cover certain topics so many times. And somebody will go choose to do something. I don't control people's lives. If I did, certainly, we'd all be serving God, and I would, I would choose that we would have been on our fourth building project. Half the time, I'm just, it's a full-time job, me just trying to control my own flesh. I don't need to control yours, too. But Paul sat there and looked at this church that he loved so much churches he loved so much and said, I just cannot believe after all these messages, after everything I've written, everything I've said, I cannot believe you're so soon removed. And I feel that at times. You know, instead of arguing, is that really a heaven or hell issue? You know, I'm here on Sunday. Is it really a heaven or hell issue to go to a men's conference? Absolutely not. Nobody said that. But do you want to go deeper? Do you want to go deeper? Is it heaven or hell issue to not be at prayer on Saturday? Absolutely not. But do you want to go deeper? Instead of, is this really a heaven or hell issue? Maybe I can begin to ask, God, what is it that I can do to go deeper in you? God's will for our lives is to go deeper than what we are right now. And that's why we feel his presence and his power in a sanctuary like this today. Because he meets us here, and he did not just show up on this Sunday afternoon just to make you shed a tear, give you a goosebump, and say, hey, I love you, give you a hug, and, and leave. That's part of it. But he showed up here today because he's letting you know, I want a deeper relationship with you. This does not just have to happen when there's a good song sung on a Sunday afternoon. I will walk with you. I'm going to come looking for you on Monday, on Tuesday. I want to go to places with you in our relationship where we've never been. You think about when you were dating and eventually married your spouse, okay? I started with, hi, Jackie, my name's Gary. I did not walk up and go, hey, I'm beautiful. you're beautiful. Uh, did you want to get married and we'll have babies together and go pastor a church? She'd be like, you're, you get out of my face, you're weird. But there was a depth that began to come as we, as, and even now we're still talking on vacation, we're still sharing dreams and we're still going deeper in, 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 our, in what we know about one another. Why? Because there's a depth to the relationship that is still growing. 
I don't want to be a, a, a believer that just says, I was spirit-filled, baptized in Jesus' name back in 1988. And bless God, yep, I've just come to church and I've been serving him ever since. Yes, but am I going deeper? I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. And there's a difference than knowing about him or knowing him. And God is calling us deeper. Luke 5, verse 4, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go to where it is deeper and let down your net and catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. No doubt, if you've been around church's religion, you've probably maybe even heard this story. And a shout for help was brought. Their partners in the other boat came over. They got so many fish. Help out. Everybody's trying to grab the fish. He, they, they literally caught nothing. To now the nets are tearing. They need help. They got so much of a catch. And he was awestruck, verse 9, by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. Verse 10, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon and said, don't be afraid. In the beginning of his calling and ministry, he says, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. Now that message, that passage has been preached a million different ways. So let me add it to a million one. Notice that Jesus did not define what deeper was. You know, sometimes you got your kids, you're like, all right, now you can go in this end, but you see where that rope is right there? You can only go to that rope. Don't go any deeper. We define it. Jesus didn't define what deeper was. He just said, if you want to catch something, you have to go deeper than where you are right now. He told Peter that, and they finally caught over a boatload of fish when they went to deeper places. And then he says, now you're going to catch people. But in order to have that level of power and spiritual authority, I would say it's safe to assume, based on Jesus' example right here, that that will only come with depth. It will only come with us. If we want to begin to minister to people, make disciples, have an impact, it will only come when we are willing to go deeper than where we are right now. If I said, how many of you want to be used by God? We would all say, yeah, use me, Lord. Hey, use. But if I want to be used by God, I have to go deeper than where I am right now. Look at the Bible says just three chapters later in that same book, Luke 8, verse 26. They arrived at the county, uh, the country of the Gadareans, and he says, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time. And were, there were wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice says, what I have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God, I beseech thee, torment me not. Even the demons, just, he just shows up and demons worship Jesus. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him and kept him bound with chains and fetters. He broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is thy name? And he said, legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. 
I fully understand these passages are talking about water. Not, I understand that. But what I want you to see here is the demonic realm stays away from what is deep. And God is calling his people into greater depths. Because what does he say when he says, oh, oh, we tried to cast at the devil. And Jesus says, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Why? Because we all want that level of power that we can speak. I claim it in the name of Jesus. I command in the name of Jesus. But we're trying to do it from shallow water. And he says, you want a great catch? Go out into the deep. He says, he shows up, the demonic realm just starts to worship him. And he says, I come, and, and, they, and they start worshiping and begging him. They besought him, don't send us out into the deep. Why? Because demonic things can't survive with depth. And so for us, God is saying, it's time as a church to go deeper. But going deeper is much harder than staying where we are. Right now, you're saying, well, I'm making growth. That's fine. Keep growing. Keep taking steps. What's deeper than where you are now? You don't have to, if you're just learning to swim in this way of life, you don't have to say, well, I was just getting ankle deep, but okay, pastor, I'm going up to the 10-foot diving board. Well, you might not be ready for that. Take your time, but don't stand where you're currently standing. Go like this. And then maybe it's up to your calves. And then maybe it's up to your knees. And then maybe it's up to your thighs to where you say, but I'll tell you something. I am done just waiting in the water. I am done just splashing. Like Paul compared it to a toddler that couldn't eat meat. I'm done, I'm done splashing like a toddler. I'm done just playing in the water for me. If God's calling me to deeper levels, I'm going to deeper levels. I might not be as deep as others right now, but I'm headed that way. I'm, I'm making my way deeper into the water. Why? Because when the demonic realm tries to come and overtake me, they're going to know, you know what? That person is getting too deep. We can't go out that far anymore. You see, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take commitment, consecration. The minute you say, you know what? I'm going deeper. The devil does not just say, all right, guys, come on back off. That house is going deeper. Now let's go find another house. No, it's an intense spiritual battle. Why? Because the devil does not want you to serve the Lord. It does not want your children to serve the Lord, your children's children to serve the Lord, because strong churches are built on strong families. And if he can take out generations, why? If he can ruin your marriage, chances are your kids are going to struggle. Your kids' kids are going to struggle. That's not even... That's not even spiritual. That's just basic psychology, sociology. Do the research. And so the devil, the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy your children. And so for us, we have to say, I'm not going to just exist here because I think that's what happens. A lot of times we get to the point, and, and, and even in an apostolic Pentecostal church, we have mighty moves of the Spirit of God. And we say, that was a good service today. Man, that was a good service. I really loved that. I went to the front. I prayed. That was awesome. And we want that. But God is saying, I'm not just looking to just have good services. I want you as a church to go to 
deeper places to where I'm walking with you and your spirit led every day that I'm starting to whisper things into your ear as you're walking and you're, and you're in Walmart and you're in the restaurants and you're on the job. And so I'm starting, but you, you, we can't get there by just waiting in the current shallow water. There's a depth that he's calling us to. But the enemy of deep is carnality. Because every time we say, okay, I'm going to go deeper, the flesh is like, no. And you say, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and pray before I go to work. I'm tired. I'm going to fast. I'm hungry. I'm going to give up that things that I've been dabbling in. And then he or she texts you back. And you, and, oh, and they want to meet up. I'm telling you, whatever it is, the friends call and say, hey, you know what? I'm giving up. I'm not drinking no more. And then the friends say, we're getting a get-together. Go, go on one of the hottest clubs downtown. You got to hook up with us. And no matter what it is, there's always the flesh. Whatever it is, is always going, I'm still here. I'm still hungry. And you don't ever just go to a place in God where all of a sudden, man, all the desires that I ever had, they're gone. All I want to do is just wake up and fast and walk with Jesus. There's some point that we say, no, you know what, flesh? I don't know. You, you, you've, been, you've been controlling this thing far too long. And you just need to shut your mouth, get out the door, because I'm walking after the Spirit. I'm not walking after the flesh. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There's been a strong spiritual resistance that's come against our church in the last little bit. Man, the first campaign we did, everybody was just blessed. We stretched. God blessed. It was amazing. This second campaign, they're telling every day, they're telling me something different about the plans, the challenges of the plans. Those of you that stretched in the second campaign, man, you're having health issues. Dogs are getting hit by cars. People are losing jobs. ACs are going out. It's not a time of blessing. It's a time of faith now. It's to where we say, listen, I didn't make my pledge based on what the blessing was going to be. I made it in faith. And if this flesh thinks that I'm going to give up now, it's got another thing coming. I'm walking forward. We're still looking to build. We're still looking to give. We're still looking to do what God called us to do. But the flesh says, no, you ain't. Ain't going to work. Ain't going to happen. That probably won't help. And, and it's always trying to tell us things that are contrary to what the Word of God says. And that's where you got to say, well, how do I know who to listen to? You get yourself in prayer and in the Word of God. And if whatever you're feeling is different than what the Word of God says, you're walking in carnality. You're walking in the flesh. And so we have to say, oh, yes, but I woke up and I just felt offended. Listen, spirit filled people don't get offended oh yes they do no they don't they take it and they go to Jesus and say God I give you this I'm not going to hold this against my brother or sister and begin to walk after this flesh I'm going to walk after the spirit and if the spirit if the flesh can create a chasm in the church then there's not a free flow of the spirit in the house of God and I'm not going to let that happen 
And so whatever we do, we say, I go back to the word. What does the word say? What does the word say? And what does it say in prayer? When I can get to that point, I can say I'm walking after the spirit, not after the flesh. When you hit times of doubt, resistance, fear, obstacles, offense, sometimes you might be tempted. Just get a different job, work harder, find a new church, let go of what you believe, take time to figure it out. But do not try to solve a spiritual thing by physical means. Because there's times where we say, no, I'm not just going to go run off and find a new job, find a new church, because guess what? There's still something in me that God's trying to do. And so what do I need to do? I need to crucify this flesh. Spiritual things are foolish to natural humanity, but the Bible tells us we cannot go deeper by doing physical things. I appreciate those who serve in the church. I appreciate everything you do. We got so many people that do so many incredible things. But you know what? You can come and you can clean the church for the next 64 years of your life here. It's not going to take you deeper spiritually. It's going to be a blessing, and God's called us to serve. I can get up and preach for the next 64 years of my life. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to go deeper spiritually. But there's something in us that says, God, I want to know you. I want to go deeper than where I am right now. Even a newly constructed building, that's a physical thing, and God's going to use it to do great things, but that will not take us deeper as a church. Yeah, but it'll grow. I am more interested in spiritual depth than numerical growth. Because if the church is a healthy organism, growth will happen naturally. But if we just worry about the growth without the depth, we will be shallow. And what does the Bible say about those with shallow roots? They die. The wind blows them away because the winds of doctrine in this day and age are always going to be blowing. Right now, everything that the, that the church, the Bible stands for, everybody's pushing against it. The winds are blowing and you have the only way that we stand is to get deep roots and to dig deep and make sure the root system is deep enough to where when the winds blow, oh, it might be tough at times, but I am not going anywhere. You see, when Jesus' disciples came to him after failing to cast out those demons, I I referenced this. They said, why can't we cast them out? Mark 9, 29, he says, this kind cometh forth uh, by nothing but prayer and fasting. Spiritual depth will only come by prayer and fasting. You're not going to feel like praying every day. You're certainly not going to fast. I feel like fasting every day. Quarterly, we do a fast. I'm calling us right now. This week or next week, if you as a church join us on a three-day fast. And I know we go, oh, man, here we go again. Oh, it, 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 it's not fun. It's not something that you go, man, this is really enjoyable. I love the gnawing pain in my stomach when I'm fasting. I love that. It's, 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 really, it's really a good time. No, I love food brings me joy. If you don't know me, okay, I don't eat just for sustenance. I love to, I talk, I mean, I talked 20 minutes a couple Wednesdays ago all about Yelp and Google. I mean, just finding good restaurants. I enjoy that. My flesh enjoys that. Right now, I just mentioned fast and I'm hungry. But we don't go to spiritual depths. And for some of you, 
We talk about waiting in the water. If you have never fasted spiritually, you can't just fast and then just skip food and things. No, it's, it's replaced with prayer. There's a spiritual replenishing that goes on at the time of fasting. You're reading the word at times where you would be eating. You're, you're feeding yourself spiritually. And yes, but I'm so hungry. Yes, that's great. That is a reminder. Your body is saying, hey, I'm crying out. And you're saying, thanks for the reminder. Because let me remind you, you're not in control. I actually, my spirit actually is in control. And so that's what that is. And, and, and so for some of you, you might say, I've never fasted anything. Well, you just start off in the ankle-deep water, and then you begin to go deeper. But for most of us, for most of us here, I think sometimes we take that as a cop-out. We say, okay, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give up Hershey bars for the next three days, and that's my fast. If you've never fasted and you really love Hershey bars, maybe that's where you start. Most of you are far beyond giving up Hershey bars. Most of you are at the place to where, guess what? It should be a three-day juice or water-only fast. It should be, now, not everybody's there. And if you've never fasted, that's where you start somewhere. But most of you don't take the cop out. The flesh should feel this. Yes, but I get a headache when I fast. That's just your body saying you need to do it more frequently. And drinking that water will flush those toxins out. And so I invite you at any point over the next three days, this week or next, to fast. When this church fasts, man, crazy stuff happens. And it's not always good. But that's because the demonic realm wakes up and goes, oh, my goodness, they're unifying together. They're crucifying the flesh. They're walking after the spirit. Level of battle intensifies. Bring it. Because if we do not pray and fast more, Flesh will be stronger than spirit. And we will run into issues that we are starting to see more in our lives. If we want to get rid of carnality, pray and fast. If you're offended, pray and fast. Wore out, pray and fast. Depressed or discouraged, pray and fast. Tempted, pray and fast. Thinking about leaving or quitting, Pray and fast. I think our elders were onto something when every, every answer to everything, well, bless God, you just got to pray and fast. And sometimes us young bucks were like, what? There's got to be more. So now we came up with systems and counseling and structure and all this stuff. And it's all important and it all can be helpful. But none of that works without praying and fasting. Certainly, as our generations have moved on, we might have come up with new things that can continue to help the growth and mental and spiritual health of the church. But the elders still had it right. None of it matters if we're a church that does not pray and fast. Because that's what's going to call us deeper. And I know I need to wrap up because this is the part that stinks about sharing a bill and we've got to be out of here in 35 minutes, but... It's good for you. I can't keep preaching. <laughs> Life's problems are solved through prayer. That does not mean our problems go away. It means that we become who he wants us to be as we walk through the adversity. And ultimately, we exist to bring him glory. He created us for relationship with him, not to make us feel happy and fulfilled. We're all carnal at times because we walk in this sinful flesh. 
but we must crucify the flesh. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It was at men's conference that Jason Sisko said, flesh cannot be trained. It can only be crucified and sacrificed. If you try to make a deal with your flesh and say, okay, I'm going to try to ease off this and maybe I'm going to kind of try to ease off the alcohol, ease off the porn, ease off the adultery. I'm going to try to ease off the, your flesh does not say, all right, sounds good. You know what the enemy says? Sounds good. Huh. Watch this sucker. I'm going to show him. And the flesh says, I'm still hungry. I still want more. I still, and so you know what? You can't make a deal with the flesh. You have to say, flesh, you are not in control. You are done, spirit. But we can say this words at an altar today and say, I said it today, pastor. That flesh is done. The spirit's gonna rule and reign in my mortal body. But we don't change in our prayer, in our fasting, in our hunger, our desire for him, our consecration, our commitment. We will still be walking after the flesh. And so today, maybe this is a practical lesson, and maybe it should have been done principles for life, but I believe the church is the body of Christ. God is saying right now, we can come to church, we can serve in ministries, we can give, but there's something deeper. There's something that no system, no structure, no service can get. If you want a level of power and authority and anointing with God, it comes from not just being friendly. It doesn't come from just attending a church service, but he's calling the church to deeper spiritual gifts. He's calling us as a church to deeper levels of, of prayer and fasting. And that when you're going to see that a lot of the things that we struggle with and go through, it will be solved just by praying and fasting. That does not mean is going to be gone, it means we are going to become who he's looking to have us be. And so we walk in that. And he's calling us as a church to get to this place. That flesh will let us have an element of godliness, enough to where you can sit in a church and go, I'm godly. I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I feel good. I still feel God. I still attend the church. But look what he says to second, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy and says, you should know this, Timothy. In the last days, they're going to be very difficult times. For people, he starts to spell it out. Tell me if this sounds like the world that we live in. People will love only themselves and money. They're going to be boastful and proud. They'll scoff at God. I dare you, God. Disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Folks, I look around right now in things that, like if my dad could come back from the dead after 2011 and step into this day and age with what the gender confusion and the things that are going on, he would be going, what, how did this happen? Nothing is sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. And you know what? They're going to love pleasure more than God. It's one thing when the world chooses to go to events and, and entertainment and, and, and miss church, but it's another thing when the church does it. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. 
Paul is describing carnal people here, carnal people that only love themselves, think about themselves, are prideful, scoff, are ungrateful, consider nothing sacred, unforgiving, hold grudges. And when we walk in flesh like this and carnality rules, the result is weak, is walking away from truth and settling for a form of godliness that is void of power. And in this day and age, The apostolic Pentecostal church needs more power than ever before. There needs to be signs, wonders, and miracles. God needs to have free reign to do incredible, powerful, life-changing, miraculous things. Now is not the time where we can just play church, attend church. We have to be the church and to go to the depth that he's calling us to be. He's calling us for sacrifice. He's calling for commitment, for consecration. If we try to walk in a blend of flesh and spirit, and I'm done, you can stand to your feet, you will find that this is shallow. And Jesus already told a parable. And he said, you know, the ones with shallow roots blown away, that they're going to get blown away with every wind of doctrine. If we don't get more depth, we will die. The enemy of deep, though, is carnality. And in any, every turn, chances are, Anytime you fall, falter, fail, mess up, feel like you're not where God wants you to be, you can look back and you can point to your flesh. At some point, the flesh said, I'm hungry. Doesn't just mean food. At some point, the flesh said, I'm hungry. And that can mean anything. And we said, fine, I will feed you. It might be this, it might be this, it might be this, it might be this. Because when the Spirit, if we're not careful, the Spirit will say with God, He whispers a voice. He whispers with His voice into our ear. And if we're not careful, we ignore the Spirit that says, I'm hungry. And we feed the flesh that says, I'm hungry. And in doing that, we remain where we are. Or we get to the place where we say, what am I doing? I'm playing church and we walk away. But God is saying, no, I'm calling you to new depths. He comes here and he enters into this place and we feel his presence and power so strong today because he's wanting us to go to deeper places of commitment, deeper places of consecration. And the enemy of deep is carnality, but God's calling us to release the things of the flesh and go deeper in the things of God. God is calling you, Refuge Church, to a deeper place. But the carnality and the things of this world, they're calling so loudly. The pull of our world is strong, and it's not just sinful, it's distractions. And God's calling us to go out into the deep. And in one of our small groups on prayer, there was tongues and interpretation that were sent to me. And this was literally the second that I finished preparing this message. I'm, I, I was, I, I'm talking seconds. I had just finished this message. And someone texted me a screenshot, a a transcription of this tongues and interpretation in the small group. And here's what God spoke. You have been called to a season of prayer. The church has been called to a season of prayer. You must be obedient. The church will see miracles and signs. But we need to be obedient to the call of prayer. And God said, I will take you deeper than you have been before. 
and I will be with you in the valleys and on the mountaintops. I will walk with you in the cool of the day. Church, God is calling us right now to go deeper. And that does not mean that we're just going to have better services, great services. We're just going to, that the work is going to be done in a service setting. Whether or not we go deeper is totally, solely connected to whether or not you personally go deeper. And I'm determining that I'm going to go deeper. If you're willing to join me, I invite you to find a place to pray at this altar and to respond to him right now. And the response is going to live on far beyond this altar call. It's to a group of people that are saying, I'm not just going to wade in shallow water. I'm going to begin to do things, live a life of commitment, consecration, prayer, fasting. There are things God's calling me to put in, probably things God's calling me to take out. But I want to go deeper. I want to know Him. I want to go new levels of depth in my relationship with Him.